Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Hello, everyone. Uh, let's have Omar uh, welcome us, and then we'll take it from there. Thank you. Thank you. Well, welcome, everybody, to Shuaib's monthly um, talk, Insights from the Futuhat. Um, you will probably notice today, if I'm correct, that there are very few slides, unlike in the past. Um, so you will need to listen carefully because it's much more a performance than just a talk uh, by Shahid. Um, well, that's all. Thank you for, for being here and over to you. From the heart of our piano, Regina Jirahi, the heart of all authentic messengers and prophets and mothers. Al-Ma'ameen. <laughs> And in a serata mustakim, serata radina humta rayim, gayero makdubi alahim, waradalin. Amen. Thank you. So, when I thought, let's dive into the chapter on the station of love. I realized that, well, there's a chapter right before that, the chapter on recognitions and the station of the recognitions. And so we had to start with that. So we'll start towards the end of the, the chapter that precedes the chapter on love. And here uh, will be, Ibn Arabi will take us through the first moments of creation. And he'll say, learn that the divine tajalli this radiant brilliance that comes at us at every moment is everlasting with nothing veiling it, but it is not recognized that it is in fact a tajalli. The sentence also reads, it is also not recognized that who is who. So this tajalli that's coming at us is never veiled. This is where God, when he created the universe, he made the universe hear his word in the state of the universe's non-existence, and that is his word, be. So the universe was something seen to who, but the true was not seen by the universe. A curtain of void lay over the enabled being's entities. There was nothing else. So the created being did not perceive the sight of being while she was in non-existence. It is as the light chases off the darkness such that darkness does not remain simultaneously with the presence of light. It is this way with non-existence and being. So light, darkness, how the darkness is chased away by the light. When she, the created being, is told to undergo the creative process in order to enable her and prepare her for her reception of being, she rushes to see what is there because in her faculties there is sight just as in her faculties there is hearing. This is with regard to the stabilized entity she was before B, not with regard to being, 
Then, as soon as the enabled being is found, it is daubed in light. So non-existence disappears, and the enabled being's two eyes are opened, and it sees that being is utterly good, but it does not know what this is, and it does not know and remember that it had been told to undergo the creative process with B. So we're shifting here. We have the she, now the it, and now we'll have the divine speaking. And in the translation, it will be small letters because we don't know that it's the divine yet. Then when it, when we are daubed and dyed in light, it turns to the left and sees the void. And it verifies this void for itself. When it was sent out from the void, it was like a shadow dispatched from the person when one approaches the light. So it said, we said, what is this? The light says to it from the right side, this is you. If you were light, there would not appear any entity to belong to the shadow. So think about the projecting light, uh, the puppets of the shadow play, and the curtain or the projection screen cast upon. If I turn towards the light or I turn towards the screen, if I turn towards the screen, I see nothingness and a shadow. If I turn towards the light, I see the light. So this light speaks to us and says, I am the light. I am the light's adorner. And your light, which you are amid, is in fact in the place of your turning towards me with your being. This is so that you would learn that you are not I, and that I am light with no shadow, and you are light mixed with shadow, so that you could be enabled to be. Now, if you are placed in line with me, I will receive you. So if the puppet is in line with the light, I will receive you. And if you are placed in line with the void, he will receive you. The void will receive you. Thus you are between being and void. You are between good and bad. If you swerve away from your shadow, you will have swerved away from your enabled being. And when you swerve from your enabled being, you will become ignorant of me and you will not recognize me. This is the chapter on recognition, how to recognize the divine. Indeed, there is no evidence pointing you to the fact that I am your God and your cherisher and your creator, except your enabled being. The only evidence or proof that I am God is that you are enabled. And if you swerve from your light entirely, your vision of your shadow does not continue, and you will not learn that this is a shadow of your enabled being, and you will imagine that this is a shadow of the impossible unreal. And the impossible unreal and the necessary true are mutually contradictory from every facet. Then, if I call on you, you will not respond to me and you will not hear me because that vision will make you deaf to my call. Therefore, do not look at me with a look that would obliterate you from your shadow, or then you will claim that you are I and you will fall into ignorance. And do not look at your shadow, the other direction, with a look that will obliterate you from me, because that will bequeath you deafness, and you will be ignorant of what I created you for. So be once and again. 
God, I, did not create for you two eyes, except to witness me by means of one of them, and to witness your shadow with the other. I have already spoken to you in a place of gracious blessing. So this is the place where the Quran is revealed. And so I've already told you, this is much before the, uh, the, the Quran is sent down. Before it's sent down, there is a place where it comes from. And I have already told you from this gracious place, did we not give him two eyes and a tongue and two lips? And we gave him guidance of the two high roads. That is, we clarified for you the two paths, a path of light and one of shadow. Either one is grateful or one is ungrateful. So here, the only way these we puppets, these shadow play puppets, the only way that we get evidence, the only way we can know who God, the creator, and the nourisher and the cherisher is, is to know that we are not light nor darkness, but we are a shadow of light. So we know ourselves first, then we know what we need to know. Okay. Uh, and then I think, yeah, okay, here we go. So this, and then he'll, this is the last, kind of wrapping up this part, this dialogue. And Ibn Arabi then summarizes, and learn that the first tajalli, which was received by the enabled being, as soon as it was described with being and daubed in the light, was a tajalli to the light-based spirits, which did not have this light-blocking bulk. So there are light-based spirits which do not have the bulk that we have. So these are somehow, we're puppets with a bulk, and we cast a shadow, but these light bodies also cast a shadow. And of course, here he's talking about the light of Muhammad they have a shadow of their enabled being, which never quits them. So even though they don't have, a, they're not a piece of cardboard like we are, uh, these puppets, they still cast a shadow. And they never forget that they are shadows. For them, even if they are light because of the light they were dipped in and daubed with, still, still their shadow in their enabled beingness experiences no overpowering by the light and the property in them of being enabled never disappears. They never forget that they are slaves of God, Abdullah, the light of Muhammad. This is the vantage position which Messenger of God desired to have when he was asking in his prayer, Allahumma, O God, make me light. So make me light. And okay, and so what we'll look at now So this, this has all been an introduction to the creation, which for me is easier to see as a shadow play. But now he'll actually make it explicit as a shadow play. If we have Aisha can read that passage, that, that paragraph. Then if you understand this root, you have learned that the true is the articulator, the mover, the stiller, the one who brings you to this world and the one who makes you leave across the bridge into eternal life. Thus, you have learned that the entirety of the images by means of whatever is correlated to them, example, colorations, adjectives, verbs, states, that is, whatever belongs to who is a projection screen raised up and that the truth of being 
belongs to who. Do you see the staging of the shadow play? It is staged only so that the spectators will verify for themselves the knowing of what being truly is. They see a great number of forms, puppets, that are moving about and performing a variety of things, and their properties are all coming from a single entity, Ain Wahadat, the light bulb behind the screen casting the shadows. But the forms themselves, as they are cast as shadows, have none of those painted embellishments, and the one who is the creator of them and their mover and their stiller between him, the puppeteer, and us, the spectators, there is this stage curtain dropped down. The curtain is the boundary separating us from him. And by this boundary, differentiation occurs. So you say about him, God, and you say about us, slaves or universe, whatever word you like. So, so I, I just threw that word cardboard. So we're cardboard. We don't actually have the colors and the adjectives and the verbs and all of that. Those are thrown onto us. And so when they're thrown onto us, then we have all these embellishments. So right after this, which you could call, I can understand this is a recognition. Uh, we then have maladies of statements. And so illnesses or sicknesses of things people say. And this is the seventh of the seven pillars that we need to recognize in order to enter the station of love. So in a sense, it would be saying, learn where you come from and then learn how to live your life so that you can enter the station of love. So I'll read this too. And again, this one I, I can read somewhat fast because it's, it uh, has, that, has that rhythm. So maladies, of making statements. Now let us discuss the maladies of making statements. Among them is holding rigidly to a true statement. And this is one of the greatest of maladies, holding rigidly to a true statement. This is one of the greatest of maladies. The remedy, recognition of the context in which it is fitting to variously apply such statements. You see a backbiting statement may be true, but backbiting has been forbidden. And slander may be true, but it has also been forbidden. And what a man does with his wife in bed when he comes to her in private, speaking of that may be true, but such a statement is one of the enormous offenses. And sincere counsel that is true in an assembly is a true right, but it is also an exposure and a mortifying disgrace to the recipient sitting in the audience. So we have, a, we have a session where there's a great person speaking and that person speaks out and says, you know, all of you beware of this, beware of that. And there's someone in the audience that he's thinking of and he's saying, and you, you do things like that. And this person in the audience is starting to have some issues. Uh, this is something that happens only with ignorant people and people of hidden agendas. And he'll say, that the person who is getting advice in the assembly, that's getting, as, and he's taking it personally, he's going to feel, and here's the word, which is confounded, perplexed, unable to see the right course by reason of shame. So he's going to feel embarrassed and shame, and he's not going to be able to receive the counsel. You see, the person who is getting the advice in an assembly starts to disavow what he did and make excuses 
He starts to hold a grudge against the one who's speaking, and that becomes a cause of great disturbance. If only that one speaking had sincerely counseled this person alone, in private, in a beautiful way, by showing him his own faults in a matter as it truly is, such that this person does not even realize that he meant by the listing of his own faults, his faults, in order to teach him if he was ignorant of the ugliness of the situation, which he was counseling him about. And then he would thank him in himself, and he would love him, and he would pray for him. And the fruit of that consultation would be goodness. And this would be in his scale of good deeds done, a good word. So not every true thing is commanded to be said, and not every true thing is deemed fine and beautiful according to the law and according to custom. And it is this way with someone who confronts people with what they dislike to hear or acknowledge, confronting people with what they don't want to hear, even if it is something true. This indicates a blamable constitution and ignorance and a paucity of haya, this self-effacement before God. You see, it is remote that one would be safe in himself from, assault that, from a fault that one has that is displeasing to God. If this one had occupied himself with looking at his own fault, he would have been too busy with himself to become occupied with the fault of another. So, and to sum this up, Ibn Arabi gives us a the way to way to check ourselves when we're about to speak. So, if Nora could read this part for us. The branches of statements are many, and their maladies and their remedies are encircled by two situations. One, you speak up when you really want to keep quiet, and you keep quiet when you really want to speak up. Two, you speak up only about something that if you were to keep silent, it would be for you a disobedience. And if not, then do not speak, so watch out. When you think your words are so fine, and you think them so evocative of sweetness, that is the speech you should be wary of, because speaking at that moment is one of the greatest of maladies, and there is no remedy except staying silent in the first place, nothing else, except if you are witnessing the lifting of the curtain, in which case you speak up to stop that occurring. The curtain conceals what should be private and restricted of access, including divine mysteries, this is dabit, guarding a thing with prudence or good judgment, exercising care that the affairs not become beyond one's power to manage, retaining a thing strongly or vehemently, managing affairs firmly, honestly, and faithfully. Okay, thank you. So now I have a passage. Um, it's it's. I'll be reading only half of it. And even if I read half of it, it'll still be 10 minutes. It's quite a passage. Uh, this is when he talks about the holy friends. And to give you an anticipation, at the end of it, he'll say, the descriptions of the holy friends are beyond counting. And after you've gotten five or six pages, you say, wow, I don't think you can end up with ever having the last description of the holy friends. And then we'll have the Allahi, which has which cites directly, quotes directly this the two sentences that we end with here. So Junaid was asked about recognition and the Arif, the one who recognizes. So rec the station of recognitions 
and then the station of love. And he replied, the color of the water is the color of the vessel. Okay, and now he starts describing them. Marifa, recognition, becomes this. When she enters their heart, the states which they were amid disintegrate because they learn that they return the states back to him. It is not that the states are voided. In fact, states, according to them, the tribe, our companions, are just as God said in the word coming from Biltis. Indeed, the kings, when they enter the village, villages, they disintegrate them and they make the village's most esteemed people humiliated. This is what they do from Quran. But according to me, it is not really like that. No, they turn the village's most esteemed people into people esteemed by God after they had been esteemed by other than God. And their humiliating lowering is turned into being lowered before God, not before other than God. According to them above, the Arif has no state which is an abuse of his protocols or an annihilation of his who or a concealment of his effect. And recognition is where recognition is not sound while the slave thinks himself independent of God. So now he's going to talk about these holy friends. They are tongue-tied, speechless, broken down, cut off, dampened, incapable of praising their own goodness. And they are fearful and not self-assured. They're distressed by remaining in this bulk body, even if it is illumined since the law informs them that it's only in death that they meet God. The life of this world becomes not enough with the desire for that meeting. They have a clean life, but troubled, pure in the life as it really is, but not feeling pure in themselves. Every created being has deserted them, and everyone who gazes at them is alarmed by them. When they are seen, God is remembered. And they are full of affection for God, and they are with God, with neither separation nor union. Someone fully alive in their hearts is the magnification of God. Their hearts are mirrors for the true, forbearing, bearing up, empty and useless to this world and the next, full of bewilderment and confusion, taking their behaviors from God and returning their behaviors to God. Their stomachs famish, their bodies naked, never grieving for anything as they see none but God. They are spirited horses, vehement, eyes crying, hearts laughing. They are like the earth trod upon by the good and the bad, like the clouds shading everything, and like the rain conveying what is loved and unloved. With them there is no difference. They resolve no desire for anything. Their weeping is for themselves. Their praising is for their Lord. Neglectful of what is of them, standing with what is of the true not diverting from him for the blink of an eye. They recognize their Lord by their Lord, guided in their states, never glimpsing others, not speaking except with the speech of God, wild and remote from the people, full of dependency and humility, inheriting from the independent, the mighty, the, their recognition, the instruction of the true, of the mysteries, of the connecting lights. Their state above what they say, their states balanced in opening revelation, so they are open to revelation on their bed, just as they are open to revelation in their prayer. Even if the incoming inspirations differ in their context, ever in their thicker, full of brilliance, all distinctions dropped, nothing perturbing them by everything, by them everything is burnished pure. 
The lights of knowledge are illumined for them to see the wonders of the unseen realm, drowned in ocean as they verify truths for themselves, at the mercy of waves dunking them, lifting them, and then sinking them, of the moment, fully faithful to the rites of divine assignments, their character seen in their transformation from adjective to adjective forever. Seen in their transformation, never always tolling, never transporting goods, captives of the moment, running to help out with things, but never themselves running to anyone for help, having hopes for other, others, but no one having hopes for them. Merciful and gentle and affectionate, witnessing the majesty of the true and the beauty of the presence, conforming to every divine inrush, fortuitously chancing upon things without intending them. They have, in, they have being in emptiness itself, full of overwhelming power and easiness and easy and powerfulness, concerned with haq, not with creation khalq. Witnessing God, standing everything up, becoming annihilated thereby, continuing on thereby, hidden from the creative process, present with the process of creation, sober with others, but intoxicated when they have fled to solitude, collecting themselves for the tajalli, not missing what is past because what, what they are amid, stable in connectivity, judging the creatures according to custom, all the while dismissing the accidental mistakes people make. People of indications and disclosures and visions, hospitable to every inrush and made courteous with every witness, clear from defect, people of dictating and dictation. They find what they cannot express of the most intricate and delicate of understandings from God with no connective rope, no reason. Highly educated in the virtues, not people to argue a united position, proceeding along every process and every legal school without moving at all, sanctified spirit from shepherding souls in their proper step levels when it comes to the elements, faithful in the articulator in their secret selves, inclining to their secret selves, desirous of what comes to them, compassionate towards what is folded inside them, explicit as opposed to concealed when there is a moment for betterment, their passion not judged, strangers to the higher host and the lower ones, possessing inner energy to do, but only specially, never absolutely, protective of the mysteries lest they be broadcast, not deluding anything. They lift up for consideration things before beings, people, in the way of extracting honey from them by smoking out the bees which they find. This honey-sweet process prevents them from issuing rousing sermons as they require no one to be in any particular station. They have the accumulation of the good, ruling by God's volition, mashallah, not by name, bismillah. Their extremes have been even, so their pre-eternity is like their eternity. The stations revolve around them. They do not revolve around the stations. They have the two hands that constrict and expand in the realm of the unseen and the seen, based on the command of the true, the two hands are the authority of a friend, Waliyat, and the Khalifa, where God acts behind you. Bearers of the loads of own slaves, by this bringing forth the unseen matters, their thoughts, for instance, we seek your forgiveness, configuring in their membrane, towering figures, such as angels, in their image, who pray for them by saying, Amin, Amen, until the day of judgment. Guardians of the four-legged ones, 
a solitary bead in the necklace with respect to the others. They have in the higher angelic realm abundant experiences and visions. The characteristics and descriptions of the holy friends are more than can be counted. These are just some of the indications of the tribe concerning the truth of the Arif and Marifa. We brought them out so that you would learn the right places their road tends towards, so that no one would say about me that I am alone on a road they do not travel along. No, the road is one, even if every individual has a road specified for them. You see, the path to God are the same number as the breaths of the creation, meaning that every breath is a path to Allah and it is authentic. So to the measure that you miss knowing the breaths and shepherding them, you miss knowing the paths. And to the measure that you miss knowing the paths, you miss their ends and goals. And the goal of every path is God, because to who returns the matter all of it. So this is just the middle of this description. After this long description, we're saying, well, those are saints. Those are special people. They're not like us. They don't know what we're going through. What do they have to teach to us? And Ibn Arabi says, I only tell you this so that you would know that every path, yours included, is a, is a path that is one breath away from the divine and that every path is, every breath is a path to Allah. And so now if we hear the Ilahi, which is uh, based on these two sentences from Hamida. Every breath is a path to Allah, each life an open door. Beloved, every breath is a path to Allah, each life an open door. Hi, hi, every soul says yes to the truth. Illallah, ooh, yahoo. Every soul is praising the truth, Allah alone, beloved. The holy friends are past description, ways are manifold, beloved. The holy friends are past description, their ways are manifold. Hi, hi, there clear dawn is divine unity. Illallah, hu, yahoo, there green springtime divine unity. Allah alone, beloved. Thank you. So that was the chapter on the station of the recognitions what we need to recognize. And so what we need to recognize is that everyone, anyone, all of us are one breath away. And so that's the chapter. The next chapter is chapter on the station of love. And Ibn Arabi will begin his poem and we'll have it recited in Arabic and then translated into English with an idea of attribution or correlation or relation. And Ibn Arabi has told us that the love of the self, and not in any narcissistic way, the love of the self is the greatest love. So when Allah loves his self, which is what he sees in us, that's Allah loving Allah. So that's only God can see God, only God can love God, only God 
is praising God. So when we see all of that, we ask, what are the three things that make us recipients of divine love? And the three things are, we are built, made flesh against the image of Allah. So we're on the shadows that we are on this, cur on this curtain, the shadows that we are, are cast from the image of Allah. So Allah loves the image that Allah is seeing. Second, uh, we are possessors. We think that we possess our own species. And so Quran speaks of men who possess people with their right hand and speaks of women who possess people with their right hands. So men and women possess their own species. Now, just the way that when I have when I say that I'm the image of God, it's not for me to go say, hello, I'm God. If you want to see what God looks like, look at me. So in the same way, uh, I am told don't own slaves, don't own anyone with your right hand, because that is precisely there only so that God can see a someone who owns things as a kingdom. But that my truth is not that I'm light, but that I'm shadow. And then the third one is the one from behind whom Allah works, and that's the Khalifa, min khalf, from behind. So the one behind whom works. So when I do something, Allah is behind that and doing something. And because there's this, this um, process of being an instrument, a hand, a verb, an adjective of the divine, then I am suitable to love by the divine. So God loves us because we exhibit three of these qualities. And so the when we speak of love, then then we'll have to get eventually into it's God loving God. And so we have three poems that we'll, we'll look at. I think we have time, inshallah. And the first poem will be recited by Jana, and then Klaus will give us the uh, re read the translation, if that's okay. الحب يوصل للإنسان لله بنسبة ليس يدري علم العامات الحب ضوف ولا شدر حقيقته أليس دا عجب والله والله لوازم الحب تكتون هويتها صوبا مقيدين مثل الحاضر الشاهي بالحب صح وجود الحق حيث يرى فينا وفيه ولست عين أشباهي أستغفر الله مما كنت فيه وقد أقول من جهة الشكر لله Thank you. And of course, we're remembering that Sheikha led a vicar in, the, in a cafe in Costa Rica, and then the monsoon came. <laughs> so Jana is in a similar situation, I think, in North Carolina. <laughs> so Klaus, please. <laughs> Love is attributed to the human being and God by a correlation. But what that correlation is, our study cannot know. Love is something tasted, but its truth is not known. Isn't it something wondrous? Allah, Allah. The thing that come clinging along with love clothe me in their being. <laughs> 
a garb of two contradictions, an allegory of someone present, absent. By love, the necessary being of the two is authenticated. In the place, love is found in us and in him. But we are not exactly his likeness. I seek forgiveness of God for what I've said about who. But I'm speaking from the direction of gratitude to God. So our, our second poem is I am inclining love's beloved and Omar will introduce give us a background there are a few verses in hadith that will help us with that and then after Omar has done that uh, Nora can sing us Ilahi number 16 and then Omar will recite the Arabic poem and then again if Klaus would translate that for us thank you okay. thank you there are two verses in the Quran and, and there is a hadith that can help as a background to the following poem, which is the second poem in the chapter on love in the Futuhat. So I'll start with the verses. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Inna anzalna Torah fiha hudan wa nur. We sent down the Torah containing guidance and light. وقفينا على آثارهم بعيسى ابن مريم مصدقا لما بين يديه من التوراة وآتيناه الإنجيل فيه هدى ونور ومصدقا لما بين يديه من التوراة وهدى وموعظة للمتقين. And we sent, following in their footsteps, Jesus, the son of Mary. Confirming that which came before him in the Torah, and we gave him the gospel, in which was guidance and light, and confirming that which preceded it of the Torah, as guidance and instruction for the righteous. There is a hadith which has more than one version, probably, but in, in one narration. God exalted says to his prophet Moses, on him be peace. Have you ever done something just for my sake? He said, Moses said, I pray to you. I fast and I give charity. God, blessed and exalted, says to him, as for the prayer, you will have a proof for your account. And the fast is a shield on the day of judgment. And charity is a shade. And zakah is a light. So what deed did you do for me? Moses, peace be upon him, says, point me to a deed which is for you. He said, God said, oh, Moses, have you made a friend a friend for my sake? Have you made an enemy an enemy for my sake? Then Moses knew from the most excellent of deeds is love, that the most excellent of deeds is love for God's sake and what he loves 
and hatred for God's sake and what he hates. Over to you, Nora. <laughs> Dervish breath is unity. Illallahu, dervish circle unity. Illallahu, dervish secret unity. Illallahu, la ilaha illallahu, la ilaha illallah. Mystic saints of Nuradin see only you. At the door of Nuradin, there's only you. In the heart of Nuradin, there's only you. La ilaha illallahu, la ilaha illallah. Musafir and Faradin, illallahu. Hearts are bright and robes are green. Illallahu, paradise is what we've seen. Illallahu, la ilaha illallahu, la ilaha illallah. Secret heart of Nuradin, illallahu, secret breath of Nuradin, illallahu, secret Great touch of Nuradin, illallahu, la ilaha illallahu, la ilaha illallah. Ahbabtu dhati hubba al-wahid al-thani والحب منه طبيعي وروحاني والحب منه إلهي أتتك به ألفاظ نور هدى في نص قرآني وقد سألت وما أدري سؤالكم عن أي حب ولا عن أي ميزان فكل حب له بدء يحققه علمي سوى حب رب ما له ثاني وكل حب له بدء وليس له نهاية غير حب الطبع وإثنان لا يوصفان إذا حققت شأنهما وما هما بنهايات ونقصان فغاية الحب في الإنسان وصلته روحا بروح وجثمانا بجثمان وغاية الوصل بالرحمن زندقة فإن أحسانه جزاء إحساني إن لم أصوره لم تعلم بما كلفت نفسي وتصويره رد لبرهاني I love a color of the one to the second. And a part of that love is nature-based and spirit-based. And a part of that love is divine-based. Through it, 
come phrases of light to you as a guidance in a key text of a Quran. You asked, did you do something just for my sake? But I did not know from which love or on which scale your question was based. So each love has a commencement which my study can verify, except the love of a cherisher who has no second. And each love has a commencement, but none has an end point, except for a natural love and a dual love. The two are not described by adjectives if you verify for yourself their class and what they are, nor by endpoints and diminution. The utmost point of love in the human being is your connection as spirit to spirit, body to body prone. And the utmost point of connection to Al-Rahman is dualism. Because his beautiful conduct is a requiting of my beautiful conduct. If I had not put him image in my imagination, my soul would not know who tasked her. And his image picture is a refutation of my evidential argument. Wow, <laughs> so much there. Okay, for, for the third poem, I think Jana will give us the background and then um, I'll go ahead and play an MP3 of Salah from Yemen, unless he wants, well, well, we'll see it then. So Jana, if you could give us the background for number three. Thank you. So in, in, in term three, Ibn Arabi would speak of serving anti baroque And this is reference to the verse from the Quran and holds firmly to the rope of Allah. Also in the Quran, God says, uh, which means your wives are destroyed for you and you are destroyed for them. So here also, as a reference to this verse, Ibn Arabi used the term clothes as a metaphor of evil. And when he says, لَيْسَ فِي الْهِبَّةِ شَيْءٌ مُغَيْرُنَا قَالَ فِي الْحَلَّاتِ يَوْمًا فَإِنْعَمُ There is this translation, there is nothing in the cloak other than what Halaj once said. And what Al-Halaj said, which means there is nothing in the world except for God. Okay, and now we can hear Salah as recorded this last night. Uh, his internet sometimes is not so good. So let's go ahead, I'll start it. And Omar, give me a thumbs up as soon as the volume comes on so I know it's all working. ما لقومي عن عيان ما بدا من حبيبي في وجودي قد عموا 
لست أهوى أحدا من خلقه لا ولا غير وجودي فافهموا مذ تألهت رجعت مظهرا وكذا كنت فبي فاعتصموا أنا حبل الله في كونكم فالزموا الباب عبيدا واخدموا وإذا قلت هويت زينبا أو نظاما أو عنانا فاحكموا إنه رمز بديع حسن تحته ثوب رفيع معظم وأنا الثوب على لابسه والذي يلبسه ما يعلم ليس في الجبة شيء غير ما قاله الحلاج يوما فنعم وحياة الحب لو أشهده لاعتراني لشهودي بكم ما يرى عين وجود الحق من أصله في كل حال عدم okay. Thank you. Okay, so that was from Sanaa, and he was saying that the motorcycles are going by his kitchen window all the time, so it's quite loud. Uh, Klaus, if you could, from a very peaceful spot in Berlin. <laughs> I'm inclining love's beloved, if you only knew, and inclining love is my beloved, if you only understood. So if you do indeed understand my heartfelt intention, then do praise God the exalted and learn. What is with you people? Turning away from my words? Are they stone deaf, unable to grasp my phrases? What is with the people? Their eyes are blinded unable to see whatever appears of my beloved in my being. I do not tilt with love to anyone in his creation, no, and to nothing other than my being. So understand, ever since I took up godly devotion, I returned as a site of visible emergence of the divine manifestation. And this is just the way I am. So through me, hold on tightly for safety. I'm a rope of God for you all. So stay close by the door as humble servants do, to be ready to serve. When I say I love Saina or Nisama or Inanna, then judge justly. Indeed, this is a hint, a nod, something new and wonderful, beautiful. Below it, a delicate, exalted piece of clothing marked by the launderer. I am the robe draped over him intimately, while the one who wears it is unknown and unmarked. There is nothing in the gown except what Halaj said one day. So they did well by calling me on that. By the life of love, if I testified to this love, it would pluck me out far away because of my witnessing of you. They do not see an entity of the being of the Jew, those whose basis in every moment is the empty void. 
Thank you. So we'll have uh, our last Ilahi and then we'll just be silent for a few moments. Thank you. This great love, this vast and stormy ocean, absolutely free from limitation. This great love is the true secret of Quran. Whoever takes love will never be the same. This great love. The Holy One of Ashki clarifies and sanctifies the whole body. This great love and there's Rasulullah. Whoever miss him will never be the same. This great love is the dervish called the maiden, the respect of fire of noble Abraham. This great love is the deep secret of the friend. Whoever says love will never find his hand. This great love is mercy's cry and a hug. Neither night nor day, but only truth exists. This great love is a divine essence. Whoever tastes love is beyond praise and blame. Those who enter this arena of great love, those heads. Beneath love's brilliant flashing sword, this come love becomes the truth, becomes the one. Whoever takes love will never be the same. La, 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 la. Thank you, wonderful. And thanks all the, the voices that helping us out. Thank you. Thank you, Shuei, for this incredibly inclusive and creative offering to all of us. Thank you so much. We have a couple of uh, questions and comments in the chat box. Um, uh, let's see. Um, Salam, did you say Arafun have two hands or two right hands, right hand of Halifa and the second right hand of Walia. Uh, yeah, well, so the, the two hands, uh, um, so they have they have the two eyes and two hands. And so the one hand holds the friend authority, Walia, as a Wali, Aulia. And then the second hand holds the uh, Khalifa from from which from behind whom Allah acts, and so this also is in the right hand of God. So when we take uh, when we take hand and when we touch the stone of the Kaaba, that's holding on to the right hand of God, and that holding on of the right hand is one the authority that a friend has. So that if I'm 
you know, friends with a powerful person, then I have a lot of authority because that's my friend. So when your friend is Allah, you have authority. <laughs> and second, that right hand is the one that Allah works through that your hand to make the right hand of God come through. So that, that's how that works. Okay. Um, a request here. Can we get a recap? Jana said the quality of sound makes it hard to follow. Yeah, uh, Jana, if you could, if you could try again, try again, and tell us more about the the two the the, the verses and the and the hadith that you, or the statement that you. Yeah. So um, in the in Psalm three, we are talking about the uh, words that Ibn Arabi used in in, in Psalm three, and he used the word rope, and this rope is direction to the verse from the Quran. Hold firmly to the rope of Allah. And also, Ibn Arabi in this third poem talks about um, libat, clothes. And, uh, in, in, and libat in the Quran came in the verse, which means your wives are clothing for you and you are clothing for them. And libat is used as a reference and as a metaphor of intimacy. So when when Ibn Arabi says Laysa fil Jibati Shayun Rayuma Kalahul Halaj Yoman Sain Amu, he's referring to uh Al Halaj said Matil Jibati illallah, there is nothing in my cloak except God. And so he wants to refer to the intimacy between oneself and Allah by using the metaphor clothing. Beautiful, yes. So as Janna was saying that, now I, oh, I, I could see another another place here. So on here, the, I am the rope of God. So stay close to the door as humble servants do. So this is that's that's the preparation for love is that you stay close to the door as humble servants do. And so when I say Zainab Nizam Inana, you know, don't think I'm talking. Who am I talking about? It's a nod or a hint, something wondrous and beautiful. But what he's talking about is right up here, I do not tilt with love to anyone other than my being. So Ibn Arabi is saying my being is Allah's being. And so my clothes, my body, the who I am is Allah's body is Allah's clothing. So I am just the gown inside the gown. There's nothing but Allah. And so this is how this is the 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 way Ibn Arabi navigates between the Zainab and, and the human being, this person and love of God. And he says, I only love my own being because that's the being of God. And we said that God, that one can only love oneself and that the love of the self is the highest. So that's where this the, and the gown and the marked ideas, the launderers. And I mentioned that in India, they used to in the old days, I guess, you take your shirts and they would put a mark on them and put all the shirts into a big cart, take it down to the river and then wash the, the, the shirts and put a mark back on it, take it back into the city and give everybody their clothes. And how do they remember what their clothes is? Because there's a mark right there on the on the collar. And so this marking is what uh, is is all there is to me. I, I am a, I'm a piece of cardboard that has been marked by the divine. So in this cloak, in this cardboard box, all you see is Allah. <laughs> so that's how that works. 
Thank you. Um, there are really three more questions about uh, everyone wants to actually read it, see it, see the readings for themselves. Uh, the Holy Friends passage, um, the could post the poems in English. Yeah. Which you read on the Arif. Where can we get all texts read by the committee prof? Um, <laughs> okay. And on and on. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and put all that together. So go ahead and in the chat, go ahead and put the emails. And so, uh, and I'll put together the PDFs, inshallah, into one binder, and that will have that one. So. Great. Yeah. So when I first came across this and came to, and I was translating just uh, every, you know, kullin nafas. Every breath, tariqantan, is a path, lillah, to God. I said, wait a second, I've heard that before. <laughs> That's the Elijah. <laughs> and, so, and so whether this came, so this is Ibn Arabi, he is enfolded, he's implicated in all the tariqats. Uh, he's implicated everywhere, but he's almost not really explicit anywhere. You know, people don't really talk through the centuries about Ibn Arabi, but they all talked about what his teaching is. And so whether this came to Yunus Amre and this uh, Lutfi will be someone who can tell us more about all this process. Somehow that sentence in the Futuhat, which I don't think anyone read the Futuhat really. I think there was always someone who knew the Futuhat and they would teach it. But actually picking up a book that's 10,000 pages and reading it, I don't think that happens. Um, so uh, somehow it, it, it got into Yunus Amre and the other, uh, you know, the, these beautiful singers uh, of these great teachings. And so the teaching then went from the very difficult to read Futahat to the very beautifully easy to listen to Elahis. <laughs> um, curious as to what extent the terms right and left hands are. Yeah, yeah. Um, in this one, he just says two hands, so he doesn't he doesn't specify. But it, of course, he's ref, he always reminding us of when Adam says uh, is told to choose between Janat and Jahannam. So here, the group the people come out. All of the offspring of Adam are coming out of Adam, and one hand is going to the garden. One hand is going to Jahannam, the sister uh, hellfire, and and the the really the word here is i don't pay attention or i don't compete for which one it is it sounds in some translations like allah is saying i don't care what it is but it's not that it's that i don't compete there's i'm not going to fight with you or argue with you which one you should have and so adam says well i'll choose whatever's in your right hand because both the hands of my lord are right hands and what Ibn Arabi is saying with this is that all of our destinations are going to be merciful, kind, beautiful destinations. And so Allah does not fight for or pay attention to or concern himself about which one you're going to, because it's all going to be in the right hand of God. Is it not possible to love the being in another? Uh, what Ibn Arabi will tell us is that you can never find the being in the other. <laughs> and so, and if you remember, we, we talked about the flip book, you know, you have a book, uh, lots of pages, and you do a little line drawing on each page, and then you flick through it like that, right? That's the flip book. And then you have the movies in the old days, before DVDs, you had the cells, so these frames, and these frames would come through like this, 15 frames per second. 
And then now with uh, with uh, digital, you also have a, an algorithm which changes the pixels on the monitor. What's happening is that we never see the pixels. We only see the movie. And that's why we, we use the Surat's uh, painting, uh, the picnic on La Grande Jatte, in uh, that the pixel painting. It's all the pixels, and they make this beautiful picnic uh, on, on the Grande Jatte. And so what pixels are telling us, this pointillisme, the, the making points, uh, what it shows us is that we don't see the dots. We only see the full picture. So when the flick book is going like that and you're flicking through or flipping through the book and that line figure is doing all these things, you never see one page. It's flicking by too fast. Because it goes so fast, we never see anything but the picture moving, the image, the movie. So uh, when you think about it, when you watch a movie, you have not seen any one frame. You've seen all the frames. And so we think things are moving when actually they're not moving. They're, there's a new creation at every moment. So the, the who I am is flicking in and out of existence every moment. And so I'm on, off, on, off, on, off, on, off. And who is giving me the light to make me seen? That's Allah's being, Allah's light. So when you see me, you never see me. I'm somehow the puppet, which is all you see is the light and you see the puppet moving over here. You can't see the puppet itself. So my entity is invisible and it's permanently invisible. It's, it's completely invisible. All that can be seen is the being and the light and the adjectives and the verbs that are given to me in every tajalli. So Ibn will say, you never see Zainab or Inama or Nizama or Majnun or anyone else. You never see anyone. All you see is Allah in all of these puppets, which are forever and ever being uh, daubed and dyed with paint and adjectives and beauty. So we think, that, we, think that we worship other gods. And so we think, oh, well, we, this person's worshiping another God. They can't. There is no other God there to be worshiped. And there is no one out there to be loved but Allah. So we worship only God We worship, and we love only Allah. We love only God. And that's, in a sense, you could say the way things are. There is no other God out there to worship and there is no one else out there to love. And so when we recognize this, then we recognize who who we are and how we are beloved and how we are loving. I'm sorry, did they just read the text of Futuha you have translated, Prof? Then we need to own the translation. How? <laughs> uh, so, well, the, so what, ha what happened with throughout the, the centuries is that there was, I think there's always been someone who has and reads and knows the word by word futuhat. But for most people, um, it was something that a f handful of people would understand. Uh, they would either read or get it transmitted from a teacher. And then they would then turn around and teach it to, to their people. And so, uh, and, and I, think that, I think that's always the way it's been. Now it's a little bit different because uh, it's easier to get 
copies. But the fact that it was so hard to get the critical edition kind of tells us something. Uh, it was coming from Yemen at first, and it was very hard to find. Uh, Stephen Hertzenstein said, you know, there's, there's this critical editor out there who in Yemen, and he gave me the email, I contacted him, Sidi Mansoub, and he said, I'll send you the cop, I'll send you the, by DHL, and it showed up in Malaysia. And so um, that, that's, that kind of does tell you that it's always, the transmission has always been difficult. And uh, so there's always someone like uh, Abdulaziz Mansoub, this critical editor, who is a master of the Futuhat. He has the Futuhat. Um, and then he then, the transmission, either physically through these, these, uh, um, these pages or transmitted from t by teachings. Um, and this happened in the way in the beginning when the first when it was first written down, Ibn Arabi says, Um Dalal, the mother of Dalal, this woman in this house, said she has my ijazat, uh, and that's my permission to both copy the work and to transmit the work. So she was given ijazat to copy the work and transmit the work. So she was the one who is now going to take the Futuhat inside herself and then teach others like that. And this is the way of, uh, we'll be doing this in Australia, inshallah, at, at, in about eight hours. They'll be giving a talk on the seal. The seal is khatam. Khatam is the seal. And Ibn Arabi, as we saw with those beautiful poetry, he is the seal uh, for the teaching uh, of Muhammad Sallallahu And so he, he's the seals. Is, we always think of it as like a stamp that you put on a letter. But actually, the seal is the seed that's inside and you put gently put soil over the seed and you gently water it so that it can grow. And so this Khatam al-Quran, when you finish the Quran, what it means is that you've put the Quran inside yourself between your shoulder blades and you're protecting the Quran. And now you're teaching by your life and by your teaching, you're teaching Quran. And so he gave this seed, uh, these, these, this, method of teaching this transmission he first the first poem in the group and, and uh, Jana has been trans, uh, reciting this so beautifully the first poem is everyone that wear this cloak of honor the hirqa wear this cloak of honor second one is him the third one is um muhammad the mother of muhammad's which is a someone's name then there's radia another woman's name and then there are some very young people so girls and then later on, there's the freed slave who's a man, a brother. And so that's his list of people that he gave this transmission to. Uh, so they were women, girls, and the freed slave. So you can imagine that this didn't really go in academic circles or in the elites, uh, but it was transmitted. And we have to say that Futahat has always been transmitted but it's been transmitted from the people who, you know, sort of the male masculine dominant society barely recognizes. So. Why is it that one can only love the being in oneself? So, so Ibn Arabi says, look at Majnun. He's always complaining about being separate from Layla. Well, you know, what a horrible, he's always complaining that he's separated from the one he loves. And he says, I have no such complaints. The one I love is I. The, the, the being that I love is the being that is always given to me from Allah. So how far away can Allah be if Allah is your being? So that's closer than the jugular vein, uh, closer to you than you are, with you wherever you are. 
So when you see that Allah is with you wherever you are, closer to you than you are, closer than your jugular vein, you realize there is no separation, that the, the being that I am is really Allah's being. And so that is the being that I love. And so I don't have to be like Majnun and say, oh, my beloved is so far away from me. Lover, beloved, and love, which one are we? Are we beloved first? <laughs> That's okay. Now, I, I can't see on the chat. Is that Omer's question? That's a number three. It's not, oh, that's no, a, not Omer's talking about threes. Threes is it. It's, it's lover, beloved, love. And in the chapter one, it's knowledge. It's knowing what is known and know. It's, it's the knowing, the known, and what is known. And so it's always these three. And so this is how we, we move back and forth. Ibn Arabi has later on in the chapter of love, and I think, inshallah, we'll get to it in the next first Friday. Uh, he'll talk about, um, so if you are the, the lover of God, this is how you feel. And if God is, your, is the lover of you, this is what happens. So he talks about, so if I love Allah, and Allah is my beloved, now he says one, uh, element of love or one one aspect of love is that when you love someone you love everything they do so uh anas the companion said i served uh, muhammad sallallahu my served messenger of allah for 30 years and never once did he say why did you do it that way why didn't you do it that way not once in 30 years so everything the beloved does is loved and that's also an arabic proverb and so he says, when you're like that, whatever Allah does to you, whatever Allah gives to you, you love it. So hardship, good times, difficulties, I love it all. And he says, when you're like that, when Allah loves you that way, whatever you do, Allah still loves you. So that's what, that my, my slave uh, makes, makes a mistake and offends. And then he asks his Lord for forgiveness and I forgive him. And then, I, and then he comes, does this three times when he's, then Allah says, do whatever you're going to do, I will forgive you. So, so that's when Allah, you are the beloved of Allah. So that's, so Ibn Arabi loves to look at how, when Allah is the beloved, when you are the beloved, and then the link is that love. And the link is ulfa, the alif and lam, the alif and lam that go like this, and body to body, a spirit to spirit, body to body prone. So the body to body prone, now we're, we're this way. And the clothing, you are each other's clothing. So this kind of intimacy is the link between the lover and the beloved. In the beginning, you mentioned something to the effect of the greatest malady is holding on and strictly a truth at the expense of distancing oneself from God. Could you please elaborate? Yeah, so he starts out that the, the worst, the, the, the greatest malady of, of, of statements is saying something that's true that you shouldn't say or that. And so he then in the in the description of the holy friends, he says they will never take a united position. In other words, they'll never argue for what everyone else is arguing for. They'll never take a united position. They'll argue for some, someone's been accused. They'll argue, say, no, the, the person must be innocent. They'll make that argument. But if everyone says he's, he's guilty, they will never argue for a united position, even if it's true. And so, uh, so speaking things which are whole, saying that I'm going to say this because it's true. 
And then the other part was, and I'm going to tell this person the truth, even if he hates to hear it. That's the greatest malady. Those are the greatest maladies because it's saying that, why am I telling something to someone that that person just does not want to hear? And, it's, and, and, and all it will do is make that person just hate me, go farther and farther away from me. So Ibn Arabi says, that's a great malady. The solution or the remedy is you take the person aside in private and you start saying, you know, I'm such a person who, you know, I just do this, pro I have this mistake all this time. I can never get this right. Um, I try and I try and it never works. I'm always doing this bad thing. And then the person is sitting there saying, oh, late, then he can say, hey, maybe that's my problem that he's talking about. So then love can grow and all that kind of stuff. But confronting people like on Facebook <laughs> is kind of be the greatest of maladies because no one's going to listen to you. And you're it's a really horrible thing. And then the idea of that, the sticking to something that's true uh, and just no matter what people think about it or, or how much they're getting irritated by it, uh, that's that's a serious problem. And, you know, there, you know, we all get into that where we say, I'm right. I've got the truth behind me and I'm just going to strub it down everyone's throat. <laughs> um, uh, a question. Why is it that one can only love the being in oneself? Yeah. So the so the being in the one in oneself, because the being that I am can't be seen by me. And so the, the, I'm a dot, I'm a pixel, and I'm flashing in and out of existence, lights coming to me. Uh, so if you think about the shadow play, there's the curtain that we're in. So this is a three-dimensional surface. We're in a three-dimensional curtain, and the shadows are being cast there. And we say, oh, I love that shadow, and I don't like that shadow. And the answer is, well, the shadow is being cast by the light, and so the shadow is, is, is a lot. And then I say, well, let me look at the puppet. I like that puppet better than the other puppet. Well, we can't ever see the puppet because until the puppet has put light on it, we can't see it. And when the puppet has put light on, the puppet casts a shadow. So we have to realize that I am, a sh that there's God, the light, and then there's the darkness, the void, and then there's the shadow realm. And I'm in the shadow realm because I am nothing, which is lit up. So lit up nothing, that's me. So that's the enabled being. I'm lit up nothing. And so if I say, well, I, I really like your nothing more than my nothing, that's impossible. It just does, there's just no such thing. And that's why in the Quran we read, that the one thing that's not forgiven is shirk, is, is associating partners with God. It's not forgiven because there's nothing to forgive. There's nothing there to forgive. You say, oh, this person thinks that there's two gods. And you say, well, there aren't two gods, so what's there to forgive? <laughs> nice. Um, isn't the love for or of the others a sense of love? Yeah, and so that's where that poem had that if I talk about the love for Zainab and Inama and Nizama, that's a hint, a nod, a gesture, a scent. It's, it's the way that we express our love for Allah. <clears throat> and so we express it through the very physical, uh, palpable, um, sensed uh, realm which we are in. So we look at the shadow next to us and say, 
that you shadow just like me you're a nothing that is lit by the light of Allah and I love you and you're a beautiful shadow and in the fact that I'm a mirror I'm talking to myself as well I'm saying what I find good in you is actually I'm finding it good in myself and so uh so the 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 sibling is a mirror of this of the faithful the faithful is a mirror of his sibling and so um so when I when I see something beautiful, I'm seeing myself in there, and then Allah is beauty, beautiful, and loves the loves beauty. We as a creation are beautiful. Therefore, when Allah loves us, Allah is loving simply His name, the beautiful. So if if you're beautiful, Allah loves you. If you're creation, Allah loves you. And when Allah loves creation, Allah is doing nothing but or simply doing the love of his name himself. Beauty. Well, God, because God first loved us. Right, and that's so important to Ibn Arabi, it, and I think that was in one of the poems, that uh, the love of God comes for us first. So that's divine love. The other love is requited love. And that's when he says that, that really I'm a do, if, I'm, if I'm loving Ar-Rahman, if I'm loving good things and merciful things, then I'm actually a dualist because I do a good thing and God loves me for doing that good thing. So that's requited love. And he said, that's dualism. He says, what he really wants is divine love, that Allah loves you before you even existed. And so we, we often think about that as mother's love, that the mother loves this baby even before the baby has come into existence, have left the womb. And so the mother loves that. And the baby has had no chance to do anything nice to her. And yet she <laughs> loves the baby. And so that's divine love. And when you get the divine love, this also not only does it not depend on what I do. Therefore, if I do good things, it doesn't make Allah love me more. If I do bad things, it does not love me, uh, make Allah love me more or less. So there's no more or less. You are divinely loved, whatever you do. Uh, the requited love is the one that we're more used to. That's nature love. I'm nice to you. You're nice to me. So when Allah says in the Quran that I will bring out a people and I will love them and they will love me. So I will love them first before they're even created and then they'll love me. And so and and but the other kind of love is also uh, is also has its place. And that's when uh, the Prophet said, love God for what he does for you in nourishing you. So that's requited love. So love God because God is good to you. But then there's love God because God is God. And that's how God loves us. And so when we love God that way, we're actually loving God's way. And that's when Omar had that, uh, the hadith about Moses, is that if I make a friend for myself, I'm being nice to someone who's nice to me. That's a friend for myself. And if I make an enemy for myself, that's I don't like that person because they're not giving me what I like, that's my enemy then I made it for myself. But if I make a friend, not because the guy is nice to me or he can be smelly or whatever he is, but God wants me to be that friend, then I'm loving for God's sake that this person doesn't do anything for me. And in fact, I don't, don't really like him, but Allah loves him and so I love him. That's doing things for God's sake. So that's divine love versus requited or natural love. Well, Shuaib, thank you so much. I'm going to ask Aisha to post how to reach you for those of us who wish to support you in this work financially. Um, and um, I guess that'll be coming on the, in the chat box. Um, and 
I, I know you never any any kind of financial support, but those of us who wish to um, give back to you in that way, um, Aisha, are you posting? Yeah, she's posting. <laughs> she's posting that right now. Um, yeah. And there. No, it's so wonderful. This. It's so wonderful. All the people helped out here. Just this it, is so it's, it's such support to have Omar and Baki and, and, and the others, you know, they're doing all of this. Um, and then for the project itself, we're um, we're gaining editors in, in different language and we have a proof uh, someone with us right now who's proofreading and then doing an incredible job. Mohideen Clark, thank you. And the next book is coming to you, inshallah, in a few days. Uh, so it was so good because Rowan was saying, it was perfect, you know. It wasn't a million mistakes, and it wasn't zero mistakes. It was eleven mistakes, and and he found them, and so that's, that's good. So it's uh, that's for volume four. So volume four on its way, inshallah. So thank you. Okay, so I'll I'll have the chat saved, and um and I'll be able to send inshallah the, a binder of some of these texts, which are, which is this is this is I think about volume eight. So it's still a, a bit of a ways away <laughs> so we'll take it from there